0: Thank you for downloading or streaming this episode of Band Biographies. You can find more episodes at bandbiographies.com. That's B-A-N-N-E-D biographies.com. If you enjoy it, why not leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or whatever service you use to listen to your podcasts. Apparently, it helps get the show up the charts so more people can see it, to download it, and then to leave further five-star reviews. Another way you can help is by telling as many friends as possible to give it a download. Please do reach out on Twitter at BandBiogs, on Instagram at Band Biographies, search on Facebook for Band Biographies, or by emailing bandbiographies at gmail.com. But most of all, enjoy. Hello and welcome to this very special interview episode of the Band Biographies podcast with me, Tom Austin Morgan, talking to synth rock cabaret musician and compare Laurie Black, Band Biographies is proud to be a member of the Pantheon network of music-based podcasts. Just visit pantheonpodcasts.com to find a podcast about whatever genre of music you can think of. There's something there for everyone. This conversation with Laurie Black came around quickly, despite the fact that I saw her back in September supporting Adamant on the Antics tour. Things have happened for both of us since then, but now here we are on the cusp of her releasing her latest single, Space Junk which, though it's a year old, the subject matter keeps continuing to get more controversial. Space Junk is out on the 13th of January, wherever you stream your music. Laurie, as you're about to find out, is a really cool person, an artist with strong views on a number of topics which are evident in her music and stage act. I can't recommend enough making time to listen to her music and try to catch a live performance which for those of you in Australia will be easy as Laurie is performing at the Melbourne and Adelaide Fringe Festivals from February through to April, so you really have no excuse. You can find out all about her, her music and her tour dates at laurieblack.co.uk and you can find her music as well on all the usual streaming sites. Laurie is of course an independent artist, so make sure you check out the merch section of her website and buy some stuff. From music to lampshades, it'll make sense in the interview. As you can tell, I'm buzzing about this chat because I'm recording this intro directly after talking to her. So without further ado, I present to you my conversation with the wonderful Laurie Black. Laurie Black, welcome to the show.
1: Hello, thank you for having me.
0: That's perfectly fine. It's my pleasure. Firstly, I'd like to thank you for giving up your time to talk to me today. We've kind of been chatting a little while in order to set this interview out, but um, that's a good thing because it's taken me, it's given me the time to get acquainted with your back catalogue. And uh, it's safe to say that I'm a fan. Oh, cool. And I'd also like to thank photographer Max Kane as well for getting in touch. And kind of connecting us in the last few weeks as well.
1: Yeah, and also he's taken some amazing pictures of me as well.
0: He really has. He's a talented guy and uh, found out a little bit more about him recently and that he's only been doing it the last year or so.
1: Yeah, it's crazy.
0: He's got a great eye, I think. Yeah. And we were just talking just before we started this, I saw you supporting Adamant over the summer and was really impressed at your ownership of such a large stage as a solo (laughs) artist but then I looked a little bit more about you in the in the preceding weeks and found out a bit more about your background and that you play cabaret clubs and fringe festivals as well, which kind of explains why you're so <laughs> at home on a stage like that. And would you say there's any kind of big differences between your club act and like the purely musical gigs that you do, if there are, in fact, any?
1: Um, I think I was trying for there to be a bigger difference because essentially this gig the, the adamant gig was the first you know music set that i've ever properly been asked to do all oh, right so i very it was it was all really last minute I, and before the tour got postponed in february last year i had like two weeks notice and i was like okay i gotta make a music set and i gotta not talk too much on stage and i gotta just be a musician And then very quickly uh, realized I can't do that. It's just not who I am. And I've definitely, I had close friends who came to some of the shows and there was uh, two. So I talk pretty much in between every single song apart from uh, between two songs and, you know even after doing 20 shows i found it so hard to bite my tongue and not say anything and just kind of finish one song and then just go into the next song like it's really not my vibe and i felt like i had to tone what i kind of do in a cabaret show down for the adamant shows but i ended up not doing it so much and people really responded well and i thought actually this is going okay i mean we had. ended up having the first two shows with south end and london roundhouse and then there was about a month's gap between the rest of the tour and i was like okay after those shows i've got a month to fix the set (laughs) Uh, you know all the things that went wrong and that people didn't like i've got a month to kind of sort it out and i didn't change it at all because it just worked and people really understood me which i wasn't necessarily expecting
0: (laughs) Mm -mm, because it's quite a different thing i suppose because the talking between the song is easily fifty percent of the act, I suppose. Really, isn't it? Yeah. In cabaret, especially, theres is a—it's—it's a—it's a mixture between musical and would you say comedy?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, it's in the comedy world, it's not really classified, is it? But if you're in the music world, essentially, to people, what I'm doing is a bit of stand-up comedy in between the songs.
0: Hmm but kind of setting the scene for the next song and kind of explaining yeah, a little bit about the themes. Exactly.
1: And I was like I was even worried. I didn't even know that I've never played in such big venues and I was like if I'm if I'm talking on a microphone and it's going to be like echoing around the place are people even going to hear what I'm saying? Like mm. I just I have no idea how it was going to go down. And that you know that's all the stuff I do in a cabaret show. I normally have a wireless microphone and I'm kind of walking around in the audience chatting to people. So I kept saying to the adamantor or or the crew, just like, you're lucky you've got me on a wired microphone. Otherwise, I'd be off and down and amongst the people.
0: (laughs) (laughs) A long way away from your synth and uh, and drum machine. (laughs) And also the lighting was amazing as well. Was that something that you worked hard on? Because obviously, I, I suppose it's a different. It's a whole different process from lighting in a small club to quite a large auditorium.
1: Yeah, no, that was um, that was a girl on the tour. Her name was Simone. She was amazing. I essentially just kind of gave her my set list and went, hey, so this song is called Alien. It's about aliens. How about some green? And <laughs> you know, off she went and she did her thing and she nailed it. She was so great. So a massive shout out to Simone, mm. making me look amazing. And I think throughout the tour as well, kind of, everyone you know you kind of get into it and you get to know each other and how everyone else works and Mm. you can kind of finesse things and I I always think you know the final night of the tour it's always going to be the best night because everyone just knows exactly what's what's coming so it just yeah no she was great but that was literally just me on a like scrap sheet of paper being like here's a set list and I want this one to be red and this one to be pink thank you (laughs)
0: Wow, I didn't realize. I thought that there might be a bit more that went into it than that. But props props to Simone. I mean, it was amazing. I've never... Since someone going from looking like a regular human being to kind of a, a star trek like alien
2: hello pantheon podcast listeners christian swain here to tell you more about my experience with raycon earbuds our family now has three pairs of raycon earbuds around the house and my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price and yes she loves them now if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of raycons
0: <laughs> green or pink skin just by changing a light I mean it was exactly. it was a yeah. stunning effect
1: yeah and also I guess with me as well I have loads of um uv yellow is kind of my thing so that's always quite useful because essentially any old uh, blue led light will pick up some of that uv mm. so especially when I put the big high vis dress on UV uvs and I'm just glowing on stage like just instantly looks like amazing
0: Uh, That was incredible. I've never seen anything quite like it. Um, Yeah, absolute props to you and Simone. Yeah. And uh, you're a bit of a kind of renaissance woman as well. You also paint, make lampshades. Uh, You've written a graphic novel, Space Cadet, which uh, you sell all that stuff on your site as well. Do you want to give a shout out to the website and where people can find you?
1: Yeah, uh, it's laurieblack.co.uk. Easy peasy and when you go on the merch page there's all like standard merch and then you scroll down and it's all the handmade things that I've done but people are yeah people are like oh you're you're so talented and I, essentially all I can do is be creative I'm not good at anything else <laughs>
0: <That's> <laughs> I think that's a specific thing of creative people. I mean, I'm always in awe of people who seems to be relentlessly creative, like yourself. It's like a whole multimedia thing that you've got going on, really, by the <laughs> seams of things. It's less of a question, more of a statement. So, you know, <laughs> but yeah, I was uh, yeah scrolling through the website. I'm like, wow, well, how do you have the time to
1: <laughs> do well, Lots of thing? that stuff happened in lockdown, you know, right. when there wasn't gigs on. And I just feel like, I feel like this generally, you can't sit and write music all day every day because you'll go mental. I know some some musicians do it, but for me, I need uh, to not always be staring at my synthesizer. Hmm. So, finding creative outlets in other things. And yeah, the lampshades thing, that was just, you know, I had nothing else to do in lockdown. So I was like, ah, oh, I'll just try making a lampshade and it was quite fun so I made a few <laughs>
0: <laughs> brilliant well as lockdown projects go that's one of the uh, the more unique <laughs> ones that I've uh yeah. that I've counted it's so far
1: than banana bread <laughs>
0: yeah yeah much more uh, unique I think everyone was doing banana bread or you know taking up exercise I know that was my thing I was like right I'm gonna I'm gonna start running yeah and that was the typical lockdown thing that I did
1: and dare yeah. I ask have you kept it up
0: I have actually, yes.
1: Nice, Although I,
0: I took some time off over Christmas, which I'm regretting now and uh, having to hit the road a little bit harder this year, I think <laughs> this month kind of shed a few of the, uh, I'm about 70% cheese at the moment.
1: Yeah, I felt that, I felt that. Yeah, <laughs> Camembert especially. Yeah. Yes.
0: <laughs> so just a couple of quick questions to get into your background a little bit. I mean, what I suppose because it's it's your your act is music and cabaret which came first was it music for you or was it um performance or, or comedy even
1: um I think it was always music um I played piano since I was like six years old or something I never really enjoyed it it was always kind of just one of those oh my parents are making me do this thing and I went through the grades and you know it was fine but I actually, and I ha- have a bit of um, my my solo cabaret show about this, where um, essentially I wanted to quit playing piano and I wanted to learn the flute. Right. Uh, but that's not quite as rock and roll. And I also think like Lizzo's already got that covered. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good thing I stuck to the piano. Um, and it was a mix of, so my favourite, favourite band ever, who are also the first band I ever saw, are Muse. Excellent. And I think the thing that changed my mind about piano, it was um, it was the Absolution tour. And Matt Bellamy, the, the singer and main songwriter, he had a piano, like an upright piano that had lights on the on the back of it facing the audience for yeah, every single one of the notes. And it just blew my mind. And I, kind of from then on, I was like, oh, yes, I want to play piano now.
0: <laughs> it's cool. It has lights. <laughs> yeah. You can yeah, sit exactly. lights on it. That, yeah. was the, that was the first tour of Muses that I saw as well.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: And I remember, I, it was at Wembley Arena, I think. And um, I remember him playing like a shredding guitar solo on this side of the stage. The lights went out and he was on the piano on that side <laughs> of the stage. I was like, how is he doing it? mad they're they're an incredible band i love muse oh so good yeah
1: yeah got tickets to see them next year oh this year now yeah very
0: oh wicked i mean that that stage show um for the new album looks incredible with the huge kind of masks i saw the glastonbury performance oh, yeah. um, on tv last year yeah their stage shows are incredible Uh, so was your household a musical one growing up you know were your parents musicians any kind of siblings that you've got were they playing instruments as well or
1: uh yeah super musical i grew up with a jukebox in the house oh wow that was always playing my dad's like favorite northern soul records uh i had one record of my own on the jukebox which was stop right now by the spice girls yes (laughs) Feminist from a young age. Yeah. And yeah, my dad played saxophone. I like I think one of my earliest memories is him um like chasing me around the house playing uh the Pink Panther. <laughs> 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 that kind of like creepy da 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 Um and my mum played guitar uh in in an all girl band actually. So wow. yeah. Always
0: musical. Oh cool. And so bearing in mind that pedigree, your first band that you saw live was Muse. What was the first single or album that you bought with your own money?
1: Oh, it's so embarrassing. It's rubbish. It has
0: to be embarrassing. That's the point. I was, saying
1: point. This, I was saying <laughs> this to someone the other day. Some people have really cool ones. Mine was, it was, I guess it was from Pop Idol. Um, it was Gareth Gates. <laughs> um
0: that, was that the uh, what was his first Spirit one?
1: In the sky, I think it was,
0: mm, yes, yeah, the cover of Spirit in the Sky, yeah. <laughs> yeah,
1: it's embarrassing. I always think I should actually just make up a better one for that.
0: <laughs> I think it's better that you don't. I think it's like I've, I've out of the people that I've interviewed on here, maybe one or two people have had cool ones, and I'm always a little bit suspicious, yeah, you know, I mean, mine's um, Bare Naked Ladies One Week, which I'm not too uh, ashamed of. Yeah. I quite like that song anyway. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, I think your your first forays into your own musical taste is supposed to be a bit embarrassing later yeah. down the line, you know. Yeah, and I
1: had a weird, yeah, it was that kind of weird selection of really poppy uh like kids music and then muse. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that was my taste.
0: <laughs> but I think that's generally that's the progress, isn't it? You're listening to whatever is poppy at the time and then you kind of start finding your path later on, don't you? Yeah. Talking a little bit about that, I mean, your mum was in an all-girl group. Your dad played sax. You started off listening to pop and then went into Muse. I mean, there's a lot of uh, influences in there. So, like, what would you say were some of your major influences for the music that you went on to make? Because I know you also play with other people as well. You play piano for a couple other people. Did you have bands and stuff before you became, you know, Laurie Black, the solo artist?
1: I tried and that's always the dream and it still is always the dream. And I, people, I mean, people in the Adamant tour constantly came up to me and went, were like, oh, you're really good, but you should have a band. And it, it really annoyed me because I'm like, <laughs> yeah, "I know, yeah, thanks. <laughs> um, but I just find it so hard to rely on other people. It's just, yeah, it's finding people who are as committed and, um, you know, don't have day jobs and other things so they can, you know, drop everything and go and do a show and that was essentially how i got the adamant gig was that the band split up and then they asked me and i was like well i can't split up with myself like <laughs> let's go
0: creative differences
1: yeah. <laughs> right down the middle <laughs> so yeah, I've been in bands and I do, when I do my, my big cabaret shows, I, I kind of hire in other musicians and we play live music whilst there are, um, you know, circus performers on stage. Mm. And I love doing that. And I wish we could kind of make it more of a, a thing, more of a collective. But then at the same time, I'm always the one who's away gigging and traveling. And so I know I'm, I'm the annoying one that's not really based anywhere to have a band somewhere. But that's why it's nice to kind of then just go and play in other people's bands um i enjoy doing that because it's again like it's less pressure on me being the front person i can just go in and play some bleepy bloops on my synth and i like that yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's still it's still a kind of work in progress i'm constantly going right how and when am i going to find the band
0: so that is still the the idea even though i would say that the sound that you make it's fully kind of rounded anyway i would say i mean you've got the drum machine and the synthesizer they're doing the things that you want them to do like... yeah
1: yeah exactly and it's taken a lot of work to find the right pieces of equipment that could do that mm. and i'm quite like i, I did on the adam answer i had two songs where i kind of just played a backing track and i sang along to it but it's just too karaoke for me i really don't <laughs> enjoy doing that so as much as possible i try to Make what I do live, and and even then, I think you know, I say on stage quite a lot, like, so this is my drum machine, and like, I, I feel like I have to explain it to people because otherwise, they do just think that they don't realise how much work I'm doing on on all of the like, you know, changing the sounds and and lining up the sequencer and the drum machine. I'm looking over here because I've literally, they're literally. <laughs> in
0: front of me there they Um, are the members of the band
1: yeah exactly (laughs) exactly i have to say that because otherwise people just don't necessarily realize how much of it is happening live Mm. that's like maybe a compliment so
0: definitely yeah i think uh, the fact of the matter is a lot of people probably don't understand electronic music as a live performance based thing and especially I'm not going to say people of a certain age, (laughs) but on that tour, perhaps there were more people of a certain age that maybe don't, you know, and that's not a criticism at all. I know that synthesizers have been around since the seventies, but they're not, I feel like they're not the most accessible of like, for example, first instruments, which are guitar, piano, woodwinds, whatever you want. Um, Like they are quite specialist pieces of kit
1: yeah and each one's just so different i've even just just now i bought a um a roland mc 505 mm-hmm. which is what peach has recorded her first album on so i was like yeah great cool love peaches gonna gonna try this out and actually i've had it for a couple months and i don't really like it so i'm gonna sell it again <laughs> <It's> just <laughs> you just don't know until you've got the time to mess around with the piece of equipment
0: yeah yeah i was having this conversation with zach blair who's the guitarist from the band Rise Against. I met him on the ferry coming back from my own tour of Europe in November. And we were talking about how, you know, certain people like Tom Morello, for example, as a guitarist, has one or two pedals. But people trying to emulate his style have got pedal boards with like five or six all trying to do that same thing. And it's, it's about finding the best way for you to play what you hear on the equipment you've got isn't it
1: yeah and it's it's hard i wish there was i I, in glasgow there is a place that's called the um something like just the music library Mm -hmm. so you kind of literally go in rent something out for a week and try it out and i just wish that was more of a thing
0: (laughs) wow that's really cool i've never heard of that yeah oh that's an idea
1: like a library but for instruments yeah
0: yeah okay Hmm. Anyone listening have an idea for a business? There you go.
1: Yeah.
0: So yeah, I mean, we we're talking a little bit about uh, well, for example, Peaches. Peaches was one of the um one of the artists that I thought of when I was listening through your back catalogue as a possible influence. That's
1: good news, great. Right?
0: <laughs> but also, you know, I mean, who who else do you draw inspiration from? I guess there's a little bit of kind of nine inch nails in there <laughs> with the industrial sounding stuff. Yeah.
1: yeah, that's true.
0: Possibly even like Dan Lassac, Scroobius Pip, um, for oh, the glitchy breakbeat up. stuff.
1: Yeah. Oh, really? Oh wow. I love Scroobius Pip. Right. Ah. Uh. Yeah, I saw him do an Edinburgh fringe show. Mm. So I think it I think it was 2016, because I think it was the first year I did my show, Bad Luck Cabaret. And I actually asked him if he'd come do Bad Luck Cabaret. Oh wow. He was like he was too busy. But I that's one of my annoyances. I'm like, I could have had Scroobius Pip in my oh, show. Oh
0: no, wow. I'm a massive fan of his. Yeah. Yeah, unfortunately he's given up the music, so
1: <sighs> But he's on Twitch quite a lot these days. So he is.
0: Fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There are a few songs of yours that have that glitchy electronic stuff in the background, and you're doing a kind of hip hop yeah. flow over the top of it. And I just instantly was like, "Oh, this sounds a little bit like maybe yeah. there's an influence in there somewhere as well." You
1: picked up on that. No one's ever said that before. I like
0: that. <laughs> Excellent. I, I try. I try to do my research. I try to <laughs> dig deep. I mean, as well, listening to some of the songs and the lyrics in the songs. There's um. A few terms that stood out to me from comedy as well. Yeah. Like, for example, in Motorcycle Boy, you'd use the term moon on a stick. And yes. I wondered if that was just literally because it is a turn of phrase or whether or not you're a kind of Lee and Herring fan, like Stuart Lee and Richard Herring, because they, yeah. use, they use that as a kind of catchphrase in their show Fist of Fun probably you're too young to have seen it i don't know
1: <laughs> i know yeah, i've not i know, i know richard herring um mm. yeah no i know both of them and i've seen their things and i've heard like podcasts with them and stuff so i would say i i do like them but i don't know their material that much the moon on the stick was um there was a performer american performer i, I think she's probably still going her name's emily autumn and she i guess a bit a bit like me um kind of solo performer she was an electric violinist hmm. and she used to play with um with Hull Courtney Love's um. band uh, and then she started doing solo things and it was it was kind of a burlesque music theatre show all in one but then she kind of got booked for music gigs and kind of supporting you know heavier bands and festivals and so she had like this whole band of kind of burlesque girls on stage and there was one of them that literally had a little moon on a stick (sighs) and I just always loved it but it was like just a little clowny girl with a moon on a stick it was always like just stuck with
0: me that image I see right okay that's interesting and also there was another line in the Alka love song the all hail the ale line Yes. Which I assume is an Al Murray. Al Murray,
1: yeah. yeah. And I, I, don't, yeah, I don't think I say it in the recorded version, but what, I mean, it's been a long time since I've done that live. But I would, I used to literally say, in the almighty words of Al Murray. Ah. <laughs> yes,
0: yeah. So is is comedy a, 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 a kind of second love as well?
1: Yeah, in a weird way, because I know ugh, so much comedy can seem... I don't know, inaccessible and um, controversial and I'm going to say it, it's by a lot of straight white men. So the kind of comedy that you get on, I don't know, Netflix or whatever, I wouldn't necessarily say is the thing I'm into. I think I, I think being involved in fringe festivals means that you can't avoid comedy, mm. but then also you find so many different iterations of what comedy actually is and I'm friends with lots of stand-up comedians who aren't necessarily what are the normal view of what a stand-up comedian is right so yeah I'm I think I'm surrounded by comedy a lot uh, and potentially a bit of a snob because of it (laughs) <laughs> um I <laughs> I don't know if I should say this tell the story but I think I do think it's funny. I once um was dating a person at Edinburgh Fringe a few years ago and he worked on one of the bars and he didn't really know what fringe was all about. He saw my show a couple times and then he had one night off of the whole fringe and I was like, "Right, there's 3,000 shows here you can see, you know, it's comedy and and art from all around the world, all kinds of amazing people. Who are you going to go see?" And he went to watch Ed Burn, <laughs> 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 who you know you can probably get his DVD for a pound in the in the charity shop or find him on Netflix.
0: He's kind um, of accessible.
1: Yeah, so accessible, and that was that was my uh, turn off moment, and I oh. I broke up with him because of that. <laughs> I was like, just, you know, you've got all of the arts in the world right here at your feet and you're going to go watch Edburn, like so boring.
0: Basic, basic. (laughs) (laughs) But I don't, I think, you know, uh, certainly, you know, the fringe is a place and all all the fringes, I know that you've done quite a few uh, fringe festivals over the years. They (laughs) are the places that you can explore different things and get into slightly different less accessible yeah. strands of comedy and music and things like that and art in between your songs I mean it, like I say I think it's a little bit reductive to say what you talk about between the songs is comedy yeah it feels more kind of I don't know like personal than that and like like you say you're kind of explaining what the songs are about but there's definitely like um I don't want to say agenda but like you've got a point to make in yeah. what you're saying as well do you know what I mean like I don't know quite how to say it without sounding either offhand or no, true. Do you know what I mean? Political.
1: and yeah. someone was saying to me recently they were like oh blah blah yeah you're music you're not that political really Laurie and I was like what like all of my material has some kind of you know fair enough it's not me bashing Boris Johnson mm. or you know literal talking about politics but the themes i explore in the lyrics that i write are all to do with politics and and even things you know that the show, the shows i put on so bad luck cabaret it's it's politics who i book to be in that show the people who i'm choosing to kind of have on the stage and mm. even the venues that i choose to be in because you know they may or may not be accessible venues or you know I, everything is politics mm. and i think lots of the time Politics can be like a scary word for people and they just like to turn off after hearing that. But yeah, I do, I feel like I've got points that I want to make and I try to kind of lace them into a more lighthearted comedy thing. But hopefully people will also then be thinking about the points I've tried to make within that.
0: Yeah, I certainly came away from the show that I saw thinking you're very kind of right on. And in <laughs> like the the messages that you were putting across were, exactly that it's personal politics and mm. and gender quali- uh, equality and and yeah. like you say ableism and things like that trying to point out <clears throat> not not anti uh men but certainly anti patriarchy <laughs>
1: well apparently and this is this is heard from Simone actually she was lighting me one day you know and the lighting desk is kind of in the middle of the audience and she was saying that these that these blokes were quite near her and they were i was singing probably my uh, feminist space song Majora Tom yeah. and they were going oh this is sh- this woman's a sexist but <laughs>
0: <laughs> but those okay. are the people that you want to piss off as well right
1: yeah i'm not that bothered about them thinking no, that exactly
0: yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> So um, what what are some of the things that you're kind of most passionate about outside of performing and being artistic? Like, is there a kind of like you say, you you curate your uh, your cabaret nights with particular kinds of acts and and choosing particular venues like what are your politics in that way? Or, Or, you know, is that is that something that you're outwardly passionate about or is it just other things?
1: uh yeah i mean this yeah that when you sent me this question i really had to think about it because i was like i don't i don't do anything else apart from music and cabaret and art like that's it like i don't i have any other hobbies but then i then thinking about it that i guess the the really big thing i'm passionate about and i'm trying to kind of bring into my music more as well is, is the environment and being eco friendly. And so like last year in Edinburgh, instead of I mean, it's a very Edinburgh thing, you print off 1000s of pictures of your face, and they litter the streets. Um, So I got some seed paper flyers printed, okay, then you can um, plant them once you've come to the show, you can plant them and, and flowers will grow. So I spend a lot of my time trying to work out how to make my shows sustainable and not have waste and i think that's a lot quite a big thing in fringe performances and theater there's lots of waste and props and lots of people use food in their shows and yeah it's trying to find a, a way of being as sustainable as possible so in bad luck cabaret i do this thing where i i get It's like an audience participation game and it's the black and yellow um, like hazard tape and people like wrap themselves up in it and they make clothing out of it. And then we have a little catwalk. It's very fun. But that is just plastic tape all over the place. Yeah. So recently I found a place that does biodegradable tape. So that was a thing. So, yeah, I I think a lot about the environment and how to be better. And I guess, yeah, just a lot about. All kinds of politics, people being comfortable at shows. And yeah, again, with that, you know, with the Danger Tape game, it's audience participation, but it's consensual. I'm not ever picking on anyone. I'm not ever touching anyone without their consent. You know, there's a lot of discussion about that in Cabaret. Mm. And... I just think, you know, what's the most comfortable way that you can be in an audience? Because I know, you know, I'm a performer, but if I go and sit in someone's show and they pick on me and make me participate in their show, I'm so uncomfortable. (laughs) (laughs) I hate that. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, kind of trying to work out how you're going to make people feel comfortable in lots of ways, but then maybe say some uncomfortable truths about politics and what's going on in the world.
0: Mm. But I think the best way to put across those, um, those ideas and stuff is in a kind of more digestible, like you say, you lace in a little bit of lightheartedness in there as well. And I think that that opens the door a bit, because people are also laughing, while taking in the message. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that's a really, really effective way of doing it. So um, yeah, I applaud you. So what what is this? Sorry, what was the tape game you were talking <laughs> about? I I, I kind Not of hard
1: I... to describe. I <laughs> stand on stage like a toilet roll holder, right. and I have the tape, and and people in the audience all kind of pull it out, and they break bits off, and then it's a competition that they have to kind of make something out of it, and then we do like a catwalk. So actually, the last time I did it, it was uh, in Brighton, and. I don't know someone made a scarf someone made like a headband thing and then uh there was a dog in the audience so someone just wrapped their dog up in it <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> it was like a tiny little i guess like a whippet like right. a greyhound um and uh he brought this dog up on stage and you know I normally I'm kind of go I, this is the point on stage where I'm like the meanest I am to people but it's for the for the lols. yeah um, So I go along and ask people, what have they made? Why do they think they should win? Um, And I got to this guy with the dog and I just, I do this a lot on stage where I just find myself in a situation and I have this kind of moment of like, how did we get here, Laurie? (laughs) (laughs) Crouching on the floor, just holding a microphone up to this dog as if it's gonna (laughs) speak. (laughs) And then the guy was like, oh, shall I, I'll just be, I'll be her spokesperson. So I was like, yeah, go fine. And he started off with this whole thing. He was like, well, you know, she may never win crafts. <laughs> and the whole audience is like in tears. <laughs> uh, so obviously the dog won that one.
0: <laughs> Clearly, how could you not?
1: Yeah. <laughs> that, I love that element of performance where you're just like, this wasn't what I was expecting would happen today
0: but this is one of the best thing about going to live shows though isn't it there are no two shows that are ever exactly the same and especially when you introduce audience participation (laughs) in that way (laughs) and animal participation
1: oh yeah I mean I don't I think you have to actually have a license to have a dog on stage so don't tell anyone
0: (laughs) we won't we won't tell anyone (laughs) <laughs> so, I assume lots of people end up looking a bit like you on the Bad Luck album cover yes, from 2017. Because yeah. that was going to be another thing coming through uh, all the things that we've been talking about. It seems that each album that you produce has got almost like a theme to it, would you say?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that.
0: In that, I guess the Dark Days one, for example, has a lot more about environmental issues, I think, as well as kind of technological um, cautionary tales yes whereas yeah. the others like uh the last album kink was a bit more kind of dark and played more with kind of sexual imagery and yeah. and, and things like that i assume that's a conscious thing yeah. have the have all the songs been around have a, have a lot of the songs been around for a while but you organize them into kind of almost genres and then produce them as an album or or is it more of a these are the songs that came out at the time this is how you were thinking
1: yeah it's it's more that yeah the songs that are just happening at the time i don't i'm not good at keeping things secret so if i've written a good song i'm like well this needs to be on the next release like i'm not keeping this for another x amount of years like Mm. this this song needs to be released as soon as possible i I want people to hear it dark days was a funny one because again that was a kind of lockdown thing and that's the first album i've done where it just came together naturally I just had enough songs and I went okay well this will be an album whereas all the others it was very much like this is going to be the name of the album this is what it's going to look like now let's work on kind of creating some songs for that and I'm trying to work out at the minute what I I imagine I should probably release another album this year and I'm not sure how I'm going to go about it yet if it will be which one of those it'll be if I was just kind of going, oh, here's some songs, let's see what that makes. Or if I'm going to m- kind of decide what the concept is and then mould things more to fit that.
0: Okay. So we could be embarking down a new way of doing things from the yeah. from the pandemic, I suppose. Yeah. Because how, how, how was the pandemic for you? Obviously, we've covered that you kind of went into artistic mode and did a lot of things that weren't perhaps music as well as music as well. Was that just you had lots more time on your hands uh, to do those kinds of things did you miss live performance I imagine you must have
1: yeah that I, I, I would say my strongest thing and the thing I love most is being on a stage in front of people so I found it very hard not having that and I so I I'm like lots of performers I went on Twitch and I did kind of zoom shows and I think with trying to write new material for me as well, it's never done until I've performed it in front of an audience a couple of times at least, hmm. so I can gauge you know, where the laughs were and if I needed to change anything. So I tried to kind of perform new material on Zoom, but you just never, <laughs> you can't tell what people are thinking or if they're laughing or you know if they just, their dog's barking so they've <laughs> had to mute and go and run away or you know all of that. It's just not the same, so. Yeah that was difficult. But I mean, I tried, I just kept going. But I look, looking back on some of it now, I'm like, Oh, God, I was trying too hard. <laughs> <laughs> I should have just chilled out a bit. But then so my song cockroach that I did as part of the Adamant set that was kind of written during and about those times about not feeling like I would ever be back on a stage in front of people again. And I'm not a, a, a nervous person, you know, I don't get stage fright before I go on stage. But doing my first shows back after the pandemic totally freaked out
0: <laughs> well yeah because it's something I suppose for yourself especially the amount of gigs that you do it's uh it must have been an odd experience going back out on stage after such a prolonged time off
1: yeah it was yeah the first time hopefully the only time in my life that I'll ever feel stage fright and it I think it definitely t- took a couple goes to kind of get back into but yeah ugh, just I don't want to do that again it was hard. It was really hard. But, I, you know, I found other things to do. I, I kept my head up. I know lots of people found it difficult and didn't cope very well. I do think I coped all right, but, yeah, I just missed the stage.
0: Mm-hmm. And um, did you, have you seen a difference in audiences since coming back? Has, has there been a, you know, because I've, I've talked to some people and they seem to think that audiences are less respectful now, that there's a lot of more talking going on. During, uh, during gigs i don't know whether that's part of cabaret's kind of inclusive anyway but yes. you know
1: i guess you could i don't know if i would call it lack of respect but i definitely i just felt like people forgot how to be an audience mm. they were used to being able to sit on zoom on their sofa be muted have a bit of a chat with their mate whilst they were kind of vaguely watching what was going on on the screen and yeah I think it took people a long time to remember, like, Oh yeah, we should probably like shut up and listen, and then at the end of the song we should we should laugh and and clap and we should tell our faces that we're having fun, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I think it was it was more just people forgot what the kind of etiquette was. Mm. Um, I don't think it was you know specifically out of just being rude,
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh no, I definitely think there was a there was a disconnect as much as zoom kind of and and various other methods of keeping in contact were just about at the point where we could rely on them yes. the whole time yeah. to be able to com- communicate with our families our friends whoever you know yourself being able to do gigs and stuff there was definitely there is still definitely a disconnect when you're communicating through a screen that isn't the same as in real life yeah. and uh yeah that is something that's uh i think hopefully people are going to start remembering like you say how to be an audience
1: yeah and i think i'm finding a weird point now i i mean i know obviously we've also got the cost of living crisis and uh lots of scary things that are meaning that people aren't really buying tickets for mm. shows but there were the, but it feels like it's kind of just come up to this point where everyone has finally caught up on all of the shows that they had tickets for pre pandemic. Yeah. So they've had, you know, they've had these tickets for years and years now, and they finally seen that show and they, you know, probably spent hundreds of pounds on it, you know, way back when, so they're definitely going to go see the show now. And then now it feels like we're in this kind of lull where that's all happened and it's kind of re- reminding people, okay, you can keep going to shows. Now you'd have to rely on tickets that you've had booked for many years.
0: Yeah, no, I'm I'm making a concerted effort to do more this year. I've started booking things in around the gigs that I've got just to kind of be an audience member again. Because the only things I've been doing for the last year are gigs that I'd set up or had been set up with various bands yes, yeah. that were supposed to have happened in 2020 and <laughs> yeah. then maybe didn't even happen in 2021, and and now are happening now. Yeah. So. Yeah, I think it's good to remind yourself that we can all get together again. And actually, music and performance based things up on a stage, they're really good for you, I think, as a kind of unifying thing. Good for your mental health. Good for being part of a society again, you know, learning to fit back in.
1: Nail on the head. That is what I think is the meaning of life is um, a group of people being in a room singing together. Mm. It's just something just so special and unifying and you know fair enough you might be at that gig on your own but there's just some kind of like human connection Mm. when that happens I I've got goosebumps talking about it I know what you (laughs)
0: feel yeah I'm exactly the same there's something about that communal experience Ah, that's uh it's 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 like religion I guess in a way for some people you know um so back to you know things that are going on now I mean how, how long have you been doing the bad luck cabaret and are you continuing to do that into the future
1: yeah it's kind of just become a general fixture now so I first did it in 2016 I used to work with a circ- so it's it's called a Spiegel tent which is a Belgian thing which means mirror tent so it's kind of a a circus tent, but it's like it's a, it's like flat pack. <laughs> it's like vintage <laughs> IKEA, <laughs> it's all like kind of mirrored inside and gorgeous. Um, so I worked with the famous Spiegel tent, which is one of the oldest. I think it's over so a hundred years old now. Wow. And they used to do Edinburgh Fringe. They used to set up as a venue there. And they knew I performed and they just turned around to me one day and said, okay, Laurie, we're going to give you a slot to put on a show. And I went, oh God, I don't have a show. (laughs) So that's Bad Luck Cabaret was born. And yeah, so I host that and then do some of my own songs and then have other people on stage. I fell out of love with it for a bit after maybe touring it too much. and And I guess when I did that as well, people started asking me okay are you gonna do your own show though mm. so i started focusing on making my own solo show but again recently i i think kind of bright and fringe last year i did bad luck cabaret again and i just went no i love this show <laughs> i love getting my mates up on stage i love being able to kind of give people this platform to perform and it's it's just it's a fun time and it's you know it's fairly easy for me to do now because i i know the songs i know what i'm doing i love hosting shows so yeah definitely trying to just keep bad luck cabaret in the in the stratosphere Mm. just because it's yeah it's fun and i like it
0: and it's a touring thing it's not specifically in one uh, no,
1: um, I've started doing a kind of collaboration version of the show. So I've got um, some friends, they're called Clapback Club and they're a feminist theatre group who do, they mostly do like, again, like similar to me kind of, but they do more parodies of songs and they, they all sing. It's quite musical theater but they're really funny and it's all very political. So we kind of teamed up uh, last year and we went, right, let's do a show together. So we smashed our names together. Um so bad luck cabaret and clap back club became bad clap cabaret. <laughs> <laughs> and we've did that we did that last year, twice last year. And now we've just been like, actually this is a really fun thing to do. So we've got another one of those coming up in February. Brighton. So that's I think we're gonna just try and make that a kind of six monthly thing that we do um at the Hope and Ruin in Brighton. I think that'll kind of feel like a residency, which will be nice. And again, that's just like me booking a show with some friends. It's it's fun, I like it. But otherwise, my kind of solo iteration of Bad Luck Cabaret, just, yeah, wherever it gets booked, I'll go do it.
0: <laughs> Excellent. And there are other uh, shows coming up in future, what, some, some in the Southeast, and then we're going abroad for a long, long time.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. Uh, yeah, if anyone's wondering why I've been quiet recently, it's because I'm doing all my admin, because uh, I'm going out to Australia. Mm. Um, So it's been four years since I've done that, it used to be a thing that I did back again before Covid, um, Adelaide Fringe and Melbourne International Comedy Festival. But it's a lot, it's so much, I do it all myself. So I'm here doing the, the visa applications and the, the tax stuff. And I just finished my app performs today. So that's the same as like PRS saying, what songs you're gonna have in your shows. And it's just, just constant, like little bits of admin like that. Mm. But it will be worth it once I get there. <laughs>
0: And it's a lot of dates in a row, isn't it? It's basically from February through to April and yeah. Yeah. almost almost every day by the looks of it as well.
1: Yeah, Adelaide Fringe is the longest Fringe Festival. It's five weeks, I think. Or is it? It's four weeks with five weekends, so it's a long one. But also it's the best possible combination of things, like it's good weather, it's near a beach, shows don't start till like five o'clock in, at night, so you're not like working all day. So it seems on paper, it seems quite scary, but actually Adelaide is good vibes, so it will be fine. <laughs> yeah.
0: And so uh, you said that you've done it before. Have you done that many shows consecutively in the past, or is this uh, a new a new level of sadism?
1: <laughs> no, I would say my my my. Busiest times are normally Edinburgh Fringe. And even this last year, Edinburgh Fringe, I, I was like, oh, I'll give myself a nice, quiet little fringe because it ended up being in kind of the middle of the Adamantor. Mm. And so I didn't book myself for too many gigs. And then I came out the other end having done, I think, 51 shows in 28 days. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Um, yeah, that was hard. It's hard, but you just do it and you're like, well, I'm here and, you know, The venue's five minutes down the road. I might as well just go do another show. What else am I going to (laughs) do? sleep in September.
0: (laughs) (laughs) At least I suppose you're in the same place the whole time. So there's no traveling in between the gigs to kind of tie you out. But does it ever get a little bit Groundhog Day-ish, playing in the same venue so many nights in a row?
1: Yes. Yeah. Especially, yeah, Edinburgh, because that's the second year I've done that venue as well. So I know that, you know, I, I can just take myself exactly onto that stage, exactly what it's like so easily. But I get like what you were saying before, you know, it's it's always different cause you have a different audience in every night and there's always just gonna be something different that happens or, and 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 sometimes it works not in your favor. You know, you say a joke and it doesn't land and you wanna say, well, hey, well last night they found that funny, <laughs> shut up. <laughs>
0: what's wrong with you
1: yeah but that's yeah I guess that's the joy of of making it different is that it's always a different audience in there so it's going to feel different how things land um I think the the weirdest one I've had I it was the only time I ever did the same show twice in one day and in the second show I kept just like saying the punchlines and then being like hey did I already say that (laughs) (laughs) because I just I yeah genuinely felt like it was the same thing yeah. you get
0: that kind of cognitive dissonance going on where yeah. you're like that, lots
1: of, um... yeah lots of performers have tricks so jordan gray who's this amazing um uh comedian she yeah. did edinburgh fringe this year she smashed it she's yeah she's great now but she talks about how she stands on one foot quite a lot while she's telling her jokes
0: okay
1: she says that that like needing to balance um really helps her like stay present in the moment
0: interesting yeah because I was going to ask do you have any kind of tricks to or things that you do to keep it interesting for yourself or or keep yourself on your toes if you like
1: uh not not really but I just I'm like what I was saying earlier I just can't help myself when I have a microphone I just talk (laughs) (laughs) I'll I'll be about to go on stage being like right Laurie you know don't an Edinburgh thing that happened this year I had a really um it just all happened really last minute before the show, my cables weren't working, something had broken. And I honestly, I went and sat in the toilet and cried, like Uh right up to like two minutes before the show. Um, And I walked out on stage and I was like, don't say anything, don't say anything, don't say anything. And I got to the microphone and I was like, hello, I've just been crying in the bathrooms. (laughs) Like, I can't help it. I just, I have to just say the thing. So I think that the fact that, you know, whatever's happened that day, I generally will mention helps to keep it interesting for that day i like one big memory from the adamantor was i think it was cardiff and i started the show with my song no luck and it's got kind of a list of all of the things wrong with the world Mm -hmm. it's quite sad but it was the day that boris johnson resigned (laughs) so at the end of the list of all of the rubbish things going on in the world i did kind of go but boris johnson's gone (laughs) and the whole crowd was like (laughs) (laughs) that was a good
0: one (laughs) that's incredible I mean I was going to ask you you know what what were some of the more memorable gigs that you've ever played but I guess you know this it sounds like there's so much that happens at a Laurie Black show oh. or a, <laughs> <laughs> or a bad luck cabaret show that they yeah. could all be quite memorable
1: exactly and I you know I think people are really scared of stuff going wrong you know like fair enough I did I got upset about the cable breaking. I think normally I would have just been like, oh well. And so yeah, that cable broke. I had a cry. I came out on stage and was like, this has happened. I'm really sorry. Uh the show's not gonna sound as good. Uh well I'll just kind of work it out. And it was essentially that I needed three cables and I only had two. So one thing had to kind of not come through the speakers and I started singing. And then I was just like, hold on, we've got a whole, we've got a whole kind of crowdfunding situation here of these people. So I stopped the song and I said, Hey, just by any chance, does anyone have? whatever the particular cable was and the girl sat like right in front of me in the front row she like like a flash i can't remember her name she was lovely she was irish we had a drink after i bought her a drink uh, but like like a flash she like reaches into her bag and just goes like <laughs> and is like i've got one <laughs> and then the show went on and it was great and yeah
0: wow i'm but... going to remember that i had an <laughs> absolute nightmare we were playing out in poland yeah It was the fifth gig of a 17-day tour. Yeah. 16 gigs in 17 days, sorry. And my amp broke between songs. Like, played the song, finished the song, singer started doing his spiel between songs, went to start the next one, nothing, nothing. Oh, no. And I still don't know what's wrong with it. it like, it's so much. like I've, I've had it checked out by a couple of people. I hoped it was just the fuse. It wasn't the fuse because I changed the fuse over. And yeah. now it's just, now it's being passed around people I know who are good with electric. <laughs> and none of them can work out exactly what's gone wrong. But, yeah, I had an absolute nightmare after that. But it was like, I'm going to have to remember, has anyone got any spare Equipment. And
1: I did actually the same on the um Leicester gig on mm. the Adelaide Tour. So that was like a couple nights before the Brighton show. They were putting my keyboard stand on the truck and I guess it must have just got like bent a tiny bit because it was a bit oh, wobbly no. that night on yeah. stage. And I forgot, you know, in sound check I was like, oh, I'll get a bit of paper and just put it under there. And I forgot and started and again, yeah, got a couple songs in and I was like, this is really annoying me now and quite distracting. So I did, I just went, hey, uh, I need some crowdfunding here, please. Um, Does anyone have a bit of paper I can fold up and put under my keyboard stand? And this guy, I think he was called Derek. I think his name was Derek. See, look, I try to remember these things as well because they're like these are important people who are part of the show. Um, he he holds up his ticket and he's like me, and he comes to the front and gives it to me, and everyone's like yes, Derek, um, and it was his ticket for the show as well. <laughs> it was really cute, um, and I gave I gave it back to him at the end. So
0: oh, excellent, and that and I, that and that will mean more because it's been part of the show, you know.
1: Yeah, I think I signed it for him afterwards. As well. <laughs> but exactly that you know people like a a different experience they don't want to they're at a live show for a reason they're not just watching a television program or a a film you know Mm. they like the fact that anything could happen at any moment
0: yeah definitely um and just before we bring it to an end ah that's it yes (laughs) you've got a new release coming out oh, yeah. on the 13th of January Friday. I don't know if this episode's going to make it out before then but okay. so the most recent release yes. which either is coming out or will be coming <laughs> out is Space Junk right it's junk
1: yeah it's the one song from on the Adamant tour that I haven't recorded yet and loads of people asked me to record it so I've done it and i think it's really i mean it's still quite relevant it's about a year old that song now but i think it's it's relevant with all the space billionaire things and Mm -hmm. Elon musk dare i say because the song kind of is about him being rubbish (laughs) (laughs) actually as you know it's it's a like a year old song and as as time goes on he just is getting worse like he's not helping himself out it's not like he's not He's not gone. Oh yeah, Laurie wrote that song. I should be better. Like he's just getting worse, <laughs> and it's making the song even more relevant. So that's yeah. quite nice.
0: <laughs> Maybe you need to you need to tweet him into your uh, into your release of it and just be yeah, like, this is well, about you. Learn.
1: I shot a music video for it recently, and I was supposed to have my friend was supposed to be filming it for me, and then he got COVID uh, on the day of. So I was like, fine, I'll just film the whole thing myself. So I had to film it on my phone. So I wasn't able to film me deleting my Twitter account because that was going to be part of the song. But I think what I'll do is I'll put the song up on Friday the 13th on Twitter and then, like, self-destruct the account. Yeah. Cool. feels like a political statement. No one really cares about, but it's important to me.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, this is the thing. This is the <laughs> problem, isn't it? I mean, Elon Musk, I remember when he first started making waves, you know, around the time of Tesla and things like that. I thought, oh, well, this guy seems to have... His head on straight, and is doing things that seem to be for the right reasons, and just over time, ever since the whole kid stuck in the mine incident, where he was calling that guy a paedophile yeah. for wanting to help out, he seems to be getting more and more Bond villain-esque and deranged.
1: Yeah. Also, have you heard of music?
0: He's got music. No. <laughs>
1: yeah Thank god yeah it took me a really long time to to pluck up the courage to listen to it is rubbish so it's fine
0: i can only imagine it's like something off tiger king or
1: something <laughs> yeah
0: um wow well, yeah he just i don't know like the guy i yeah i've got so little respect or time for him anymore
1: yeah i think luckily other people are, are finally feeling the same as well so.
0: mm. i think deleting twitter is probably a good idea it's just one of those things i literally one of the only reasons that I still have any kind of social media anymore is to promote the things that I do. I think if it weren't for the power of platforms like that, I probably wouldn't have social media. I really, really dislike it.
1: Yeah. I say that quite a lot. And I I know um, James Acaster's released a book recently about, you know, deleting your social media.
0: Mm.
1: Well, that's fine for you, James Acaster. You've (laughs) got like a a marketing person who does all your, social media accounts from their phone so you don't need one but the rest of us
0: yes the rest of us who are still trying to get our name <laughs> out there yeah. have to unfortunately rely on these things and it's uh, it's a pain it's a necessary evil but yeah i'm, I'm really starting to consider twitter because all that happened while i was on tour in november so all that twitter stuff i kind of have been slowly chipping away at trying to find out what went on while i was away yeah. and the more i do the more i'm like oh god <laughs> yeah <Sad. laughs> ah. but yes so we'll we'll get off that and we'll go to more kind of positive things so for the future there's um the london vault festival as well
1: yeah vault festival's cool it's kind of almost like a fringe festival i guess it's kind of curated and it's in the vaults of waterloo station huh? so it's like it's really cool you go through i think it's leake street which is the kind of it's directly under the station and it's where you see all the people doing graffiti and you can go every day and it will be different. And yeah, it's kind of like a kind of little labyrinthy performance space where they have, I don't know, at least five venues in there. So there's loads of shows going on and it goes on for ages. It's like January through to April or something. So yeah, I'm performing on the 27th and 28th and that's my, my fringe show. It's called Dystopiano. Which I find, I have to say that out loud because people don't get the, don't get the pun. <laughs> <laughs> I had a friend; she was working on the box office at Brighton Fringe. So she, she was selling tickets for my show, and she hadn't realised that it's dystopian and piano like smashed together <laughs> uh, until I said it aloud to her recently, and she went, "Oh my god, what a clever thing!" I
0: was like, "Okay, thanks." <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, but i think it's quite a good advert to essentially the what the show is it's you know it's a synthy piano thing mm. talking about the dystopian yeah yeah <laughs>
0: so. and so that's the 27th and 28th of january January, yeah right in which case I'm going to I'm going to make a concerted effort to get this out <laughs> in the next week then in that
1: oh, case.
0: Cool. um so that all the things that we've been talking about the new release and those dates will go out but also I've got some listeners in Australia as well so I'm hoping and some from the Melbourne kind of area Ooh. so uh yeah so those dates uh they're back to back aren't they the the two fringes in in pretty much.
1: yeah there's like a week in between them yeah mm.
0: so w- uh, what are the dates for for each
1: so adelaide i'll be in Adelaide from the seventeenth of feb to the eighteenth of March with all kinds of shows going on in amongst that, and then Melbourne comedy Festival it's at a very cool venue i've not been there before because it's it's popped up since I was last there, but I'm really excited it's called Motley Bow House, which sounds just cool and it's like a kind of queer Weird venue space. I'm really excited to be there, so that's cool. And that's the thirtieth of March through to the sixth of April.
0: Cool. Well, I urge my handful of Australian <laughs> listeners to get out and uh, and and go visit the show. I will be certainly uh, looking for for shows that you're doing over here near me. So possibly the January ones if I'm around.
1: Yeah. And I like, I know the next thing I have to do really, you know, I've kind of gone back from doing the Adamant tour to going back into doing the cabaret things, but I know I need to book a little music tour really.
0: I was going to ask, are you, what's the plan from here?
1: Yeah. I mean, I need to do that. I tried to do it in kind of October, November this year after the Adamant tour finished. And it's so hard doing it myself,
0: Hmm.
1: making these connections with venues that that just don't know who I am and I also I guess it just like everything at the minute places is super understaffed and just don't have time to get back to everyone but I yeah I need to find a way or find someone who knows venues who can just help me book book some shows because the plan would be to kind of come around all the places that we went on the adamant tour and do some shows but it's it's difficult
0: mm. well again if anyone out there is a booking agent yeah then, uh, get in touch I need you. <laughs> In fact, that would do well for me as well. So uh, yeah, please do get in touch and we'll try and sort something out. Excellent. Is there anything that we've not covered that you'd like to talk about?
1: I don't think so. But I guess exactly what you're saying. I, You know, the arts and live music are the meaning of life. So just take a punt and go and see some stuff. And, you know, I, I even if you go watch something that you don't even really like, it's, it's just enriching for your life, isn't it? So this is just my... my My plea to the viewers, just go out and do things because it's great. And uh, here's the thing. I I wrote my dissertation years and years ago. I did music performance and production at uni. And there's a really great statistic I found. And it's if you spend money on experiences as opposed to, you know, objects and things, you will be 10% happier.
0: My God, this is... Right, Okay. (laughs) Christmas this year I, f- I yeah. really really had a bad time because having been away for November it put me yeah. a month behind schedule anyway so I got back and just couldn't get my head in the game was rubbish with getting presents and stuff and I just think like and for a couple of years now I've been saying like I'm really bored of buying people things that they ask for or like I'm not very I'm really not very good at thinking outside the box and being thoughtful. Um <laughs> but I would much rather buy people things that they can go and do. Exactly. Or like organize a thing with a lot of people that we can all yeah. go and do. Yeah. And yeah, I'm a hundred percent on board with that. That yeah. is that is definitely the future of my personal christmas and birthday thing is going oh. to be buying people experiences and yeah. and gig tickets and and things like that so uh yeah i'm i'm 100 percent on board Ooh. and uh i think it's a it's a great message to put out there because it is more <laughs> enriching you do feel that communal sense of feeling part of something
1: yeah and i think yeah a, a part of even if you see something you don't like it kind of It's easy for us to all be in a bit of an echo chamber these days, isn't it? Just surrounded by other people who agree with the exact thing that you think. Hmm. So it can be a really good place to kind of just go, oh, here's some people with some different life views than me. That's interesting and good to know.
0: Yes. One of (laughs) the best things that you can do is travel and mix with people and talk to people, find out about them. Generally speaking, you find out that most people... Are kind of nice and they want the same things you know they want to be comfortable they want to be happy and you dig down far enough and most people are like that no matter what background they're from
1: yeah, it's true. Actually, so speaking of that, so I've just got back from, I went to Reykjavik in Iceland for New Year. Lovely. Um, I went on my own. I've got mates there, um, but because it's, it's very family oriented around New Year. So I actually ended up not seeing any of my mates because they're all just with their families. But I had an amazing time. It was great. And New Year exactly that you know it's a brand new year you're surrounded by people and none of you speak the same language but you're all hugging and cheersing and all of that it's exactly what it's about it's just um, the human experience and just everyone being happy and able to get on with each other
0: that is a brilliant way to round off (laughs) an interview
1: and if I could remember how to say happy new year in Icelandic I would but I can't
0: (laughs) (laughs) we'll look that up We'll look that up for next time. But no, Laurie, thank you so much for talking to me today. One final thing. Where can the listeners find you and your music online, just to reiterate it?
1: Uh, Laurieblack.co.uk or just search Laurie Black on streaming sites and all of those things you'll find. You'll find me. I'm the one with half black and half another color hair.
0: excellent thank you so much for coming on laurie no your, your life will be enriched for listening to laurie's music and going oh. to see her live i can confirm that <laughs> <laughs>
1: thank you so much
0: goodbye for now
1: Bye.
0: <laughs> there you go how cool was laurie i really enjoyed that conversation and i hope that you enjoyed listening to it as much as i did having it it was great to get to know her and find out some common musical tastes, causes and interests. Once more, you can find out all about her, her music and where she's playing next at laurieblack.co.uk and you can find her music as well on all the usual streaming sites. If you get in touch with her on social media at laurieblackinc on Instagram, let her know you heard our chat on Band Biographies. As I mentioned earlier, Laurie is an independent artist so make sure you check out the merch section of her website and buy some stuff. It really does make a difference. But until next time I talk to you, take very good care of yourselves and maybe at the Dropkick Murphys show at Wembley Arena on the 21st of January, I'll see you in the pit. Thank you for listening to this episode of band biographies if you enjoyed it please don't forget to leave a five-star review on apple podcasts or whatever service you use to listen to your podcasts please do reach out on twitter at BandBiogs, instagram at band biographies search on facebook for band biographies or by emailing band at gmail.com see you next time